This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show. All right, James. Welcome back to another Ask Altucher. Jay, I hope you have some good questions for me. To be fair, I haven't seen any questions. People can ask me about investments, the economy, relationships, politics, because I am officially running for president of the United States in 2024. So I'm happy to answer questions about the issues at hand. Right. I've written books about how I've gone from totally dead broke after selling a business to making it back to going broke again to making it back so you don't necessarily have to listen to me i've just been through a lot i've been all over the place metaphorically and literally all right when you talk about the person one i think that's a that's a good one to start before i start asking the questions from uh this person named Roko desta from notepd.com from notepad.com let me ask uh-huh. you one question just sure. for my sake i come from a so i come from malaysia i come from a country that have prime minister what does president of the United States do? I, I because like every time on the news I see like, hey, we have to ban gun or whatever, better health care for whatever. Why can't president just be like, you can no longer have guns? Or yes, everyone can have good health care. Like, what can they do? Like, doesn't seem like they can do anything. That's a really good question because a lot of countries around the, around the world have a what's called a parliamentary system where the head of parliament is the prime minister, essentially yes. the ruler of that country. And some countries, like the United States, have a president, like the United States has a president. And in many countries where there's a president and a prime minister, I, I can't think of an example offhand, but sometimes you have somebody who rules the country, and sometimes you have someone who's a figurehead that like goes to funerals and has dinners for the leaders of other countries and so on. Right. Like in England, there's a prime minister and there's a king. And uh, right. the king is the figurehead ruler and the prime minister is the actual ruler. But in the United States, very technically, a president of the United States is elected by the people, sort of. There's an electoral college, but let's ignore that for a second. Right. So the president of the United States is elected by, there's an election day, all the people come to vote, and they vote for, like last election, they either voted for Donald Trump or Joe Biden. In England, or in a parliamentary system, the prime minister is not elected by the people. So what happens is, everybody votes not for a prime minister or their opponent, but they vote for a member of parliament. And then parliament makes a vote to decide who the prime minister will be, who is the leader of the party. So in the United States, the equivalent of the prime minister would be the speaker of the house. So right now, Kevin McCarthy in a parliamentary system, he's the speaker of the house in the U S because the members of the house of representatives, which is the equivalent to uh, parliament, the members of the House of Representatives voted for Kevin McCarthy to be their leader. Gotcha. And how did he win? Not that he is the most popular of all the House of Representatives, but he's the most popular Republican. And we live in a two-party system in the United States, Democrats and Republicans. There's more Republicans in the House of Representatives. So the head of the Republicans in the House of Representatives becomes the Speaker of the House. And if the U.S. was a parliamentary system, he would be the prime minister and Nancy Pelosi would have been the last prime minister. But as it stands, the speaker of the house is third in line for the presidency if the, or second in line, rather, if the president dies, the 
the vice president takes over. If the vice president then dies, the Speaker of the House takes over. If the Speaker of the House dies, President pro tempore of the United States Senate takes over. And that's usually the oldest member of the majority party of the Senate. I, I, felt, like there would, I felt like that would be such a bad idea, though. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Every political system has its flaws. Right. And so you asked another question, though. Why can't the president just decide to do something yes. and then it's done? Well, the reason why one separates the powers of, let's say in the United States, there's three separate powers. There's the power to make laws, there's the power to enforce laws, and there's the power to decide if a law is not fair, where uh. fairness is decided by both the constitution and prior decisions about what is fair or not. So for instance, if I say, if I make a law that if the Congress makes a law that says Jay is not allowed to speak outside, <laughs> you would go to court and the court will say, well, that's not fair uh, because the amendment one, the first amendment of the U S constitution says everybody has a right to speak. Right. So Congress would say, oh, well, so in the United States, the judicial branch, like anybody who's a judge all the way up to the Supreme court decides which laws are fair or not according to the Constitution. They use the Constitution as their base. But the Constitution is pretty vague, isn't it? Well, but that's why then every decision ever made by judges, if it's not in the Constitution, then we abide by those decisions. Mm. Or it goes all the way up to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court says, no, we're going to change our mind on this one, mm. which is something they did, for instance, with abortion rights recently. The Congress, which is composed of the House of Representatives and the Senate, they make all the laws and the executive branch, which is run by the president of the United States, he enforces all the laws. And all that means is that if there's a law that's a federal law, then he has the power to, if, if Congress says taxes are now 99% and somebody doesn't pay their taxes, the president can go to the treasury department, which is in the executive branch and say, the IRS, which is run by the treasury department, has the right to collect that money from that person and that person can't sue or anything because it's a law. Or if Congress says we're going to go to war, the president then goes to the Department of Defense and says, we're sending the army to this country because Congress says there's a war. There's also a, a National Guard and there's an FBI. There's, there's various law enforcement agencies in the executive branch that are not local. Like the police is local. The president's not in charge of those. But the FBI and the National Guard, they're, uh, they're like the nation's police. And so he can use, or, or an IRS agent, or uh, you know, all, there's various agencies within the executive department that the president can use to enforce laws. Or if Congress says, we need to send a billion dollars to Florida because of the latest hurricane created a billion dollars worth of damage, then the president and the executive branch are in charge of setting up a way for the billion dollars to get to the people who need it in Florida. Gotcha. So they enforce all the laws. Now, that is according to the Constitution. Over the years, every branch has changed and taken more and more power. Every branch fights for power mm. in the United States. So the president has now powers like executive orders where he could make his own. He can say, I'm sending this army to Afghanistan, even though Congress has not made it a law that this is a war. So he could do things like that. Or he could say, I'm going to make an executive order 
that everybody gets a thousand dollars in a bailout during the pandemic. Now, by the way, the name of our country is the United States of America. So as a country, we're really just a collection of governments called states. So, and each one of those states has a judicial, legislative, and executive branch also. So the governor of California is like the president of California. And then there are state senators and state representatives, just like Congress is for federal. And there are state judges all the way up to a Supreme Court of California that decide on state laws. And even in some towns like New York City has a mayor who's like the president of New York City. Then there's a city council who's like the Congress. And then there are city judges. So it all goes down depending on where, you know, like New York City might have different laws than Los Angeles because the city council of New York City makes different laws than the city council of LA. If someone says, oh, I think these laws are unconstitutional, it goes up to the courts in LA and the courts in New York City. And then people could appeal them up to the Supreme Court if they want, but that's very rare. And the mayor or the governor, whoever, is in charge of enforcing those laws. The other thing the president does, which they didn't used to do, according to the Constitution, is they can recommend laws to Congress. And then the party that they belong to, like Democrat or Republican, basically follows the president's advice and tries to make the president's agenda laws. There are many ways in which the roles of the president, Congress, and Supreme Court have changed the rules since since the United States started. And, you know, some of those have been good and probably some of those are bad. Like everyone thinks it's in the constitution that there are nine Supreme Court judges. There is no specified number of judges in the Supreme Court. I think the initial Supreme Court had six judges and Roosevelt, as is an example of someone who tried to stack the Supreme Court, uh, he wanted to have more judges in the Supreme Court so he could appoint more judges because that's a lifetime position. So once you appoint a judge, your influence will be felt for decades if you're a president who appointed a lot of judges. This whole thing felt like a whole mafia organization. It's kind of like that. Like, uh, you know, I don't know what mafia organizations are really like, but let's take the model in both The Sopranos and The Godfather and assume that that is fact. You know, probably it's close to fact that there's a godfather who's sort of like the president and he enforces. Actually, I think... I think mafia organizations are more like fascist organizations where Mm -hmm. there is one person who is basically in charge of everything. They make the laws, they enforce them, they decide what's fair, and then they appoint people below them to execute on those. And those people can govern however they want, but typically they, again, do the same structure. They're like the dictators of their area. You know, someone's like the godfather of the metropolitan area around New York, you know, that he might have capos, you know, sub-godfathers who are like in charge of New Jersey or Connecticut or whatever. Also, I should mention a a fascist, and this is often forgotten in the definition and when people call someone a fascist, a fascist usually supports capitalism, Mm. but heavy government control of fascism. So a lot of people will disagree with me on this. You know, we had these, a very controversial thing in 2020 when because of the pandemic, the United States, and I don't even know if it was Republican or Democrat, but the United States told every business to shut down unless you were you know, a needed business in emergencies. Government control of business is a very fascist tendency. Mm. And this is why you know, fascism is often associated with the far right. And that's often true because some, you know, there's an element of fascism that says we are superior to other people, so we have more rights and so on. And 
the most superior person is the dictator. So there's an element of fascism that that's that. You know, that's kind of like a far right stance. But there's also an element of fascism that's far left, which is kind of a populist control of business. Like these business leaders are unfair. So we're going to take control of their businesses to make them more fair, or we're going to decide what the correct allocation of resources in society, because we know better than the markets. Stalinist Russia, Stalin was a a fascist and Maoist China, you know, Mao and Stalin were both communists and fascists. I mean, that that's not good for society, isn't it? Like it, it just have like people decide what's good for society or, or decide what the market should be. Yeah, no, that's horrible for society because think about it. Right now, uh, New York City is a good example or London is a good example or LA is a good example. London does not produce enough food to feed the people of London. Like there are not these huge farms or food factories or whatever in London producing enough food to feed the people of London. And that's the same. That's true for, you know, Moscow and Beijing and every city almost. And yet in communist countries, people often starve because the dictator and the central group that's running the country, they often try to figure out these five-year plans, how to buy all the food from wherever to feed the people in their country. Well, the United States doesn't do that. We just use the market. So like market forces decide the prices and the supply and the demand of all the food. So if there's a lot of demand for hamburgers, then companies like McDonald's, I'm just hypothetically saying, or, or, or let's say, let's say grocery stores like Target or Walmart or whatever, they might say, oh, there's a lot of demand for meat. So let's find all the farmers we can in the United States and buy meat from them. Let's find all the meat from Argentina as a big source of, of supply of, of beef. Let's find all the meat and we'll buy them for cheap prices because we'll buy in bulk and then we'll sell because we know that there's demand. So in a fascist or communist dictatorship, just a few people try to decide in advance what all the demand and supply and prices should be for food. And they're, they often get it wrong because it's right. impossible. There's a million variables involved. Market-oriented economy like the United States, I'm not even calling it a capitalist economy, it's just a market-oriented economy. Market forces decide how much beef is needed, how much vegetables are needed, what the price of them should be, where we should get them from. Like That's all decided by the market. Mm. The, the president, the Congress, the Supreme Court have zero or very, have have 1% to do with it. Sometimes they say, oh, this food's really bad for you, so we're going to make it illegal. Um, but that's you know very rare. Mo- mostly we can eat whatever food we want. I could be totally wrong. I could be totally naive because I don't know anything. Does that also relate to uh, Federal Reserve increase, like rate or inflations as well? Yes, completely. Mm-hmm. Every department of government, like let's say the Department of Education, let's say the IRS, let's say the Federal Reserve, let's say the Department of Agriculture, they're all like mini fascist <laughs> governments. And again, I'm not saying good or bad because they have best intentions. Even Lenin 
who was the first, you know, head of Soviet Russia, and even Mao was the first head of communist China. I'm going to assume for a second they had, at the very, very beginning of their careers, good intentions, which is that people would be better if everybody was a little bit more fair about the allocation of resources. So they said, well, at first, we need to allocate the resources to make things fair, and then eventually the people will be able to do it themselves, and I am just the first citizen, the first person to do it. But you look at it, the Federal Reserve right now, they made an arbitrary decision, which is that we were having too much inflation, and uh, we need to raise interest rates because when the interest rates are raised, people spend less. Right. The reason they spend less is because there's more incentive for them to put money in the bank where they get interest on their money rather than spend the money. So there's more incentive to save. And when interest rates are higher, it's also harder to buy things where you're borrowing money, like on a credit card or a mortgage or whatever. It's more expensive to buy things because if you're borrowing money. So people don't buy houses because the monthly payment on your mortgage, which is a loan from the bank, is higher because interest rates are higher. So like if you buy a house today, as opposed to a year and a half ago, you're paying double the monthly rate and people don't want to do that. So they don't borrow. It's too expensive for them. So less money is spent. So many businesses go out of business. And when you raise interest rates, there's a, a great possibility of a recession. Now, if we didn't have a Federal Reserve, what could have happened was that you know, market forces then take over. And uh, market forces might have said, well, the price of beef is getting too expensive, so more and more people will start eating fish or vegetables or whatever, something cheaper. Or, or they'll, they'll find, you know, Walmart will find sources of food that are cheaper. Inflation would maybe naturally go down. Then also we would have gotten a chance to see what inflation was transitory. So for instance, some of the inflation that we're experiencing is because of the war between Russia and Ukraine. So oil potentially is is in trouble and wheat. We get a lot of wheat from both this, the Russia and Ukraine. So price of wheat has gone, gone up. And because of the pandemic, our supply chains with China have had problems. So some of that inflation happened. And because we didn't build houses for two years and nobody was cutting down trees, there was a shortage in lumber now that we are building houses again. And the price of lumber went up, which means the prices of houses went up uh, to build a house. So some of that inflation was temporary and will get worked out. But the Federal Reserve was worried about extreme inflation. And consequently, they're raising interest rates so fast, they don't have a chance to see if those interest rates mm. work yet or not, since it takes 18 months for interest rates to be felt by the system. And they haven't even been raising interest rates for 18 months. So we don't even know yet what the full effect of interest rates will be. Unfortunately, there might be a recession that's completely artificial. It's completely caused by the Federal Reserve. Why didn't they just... Inflation is not necessarily a bad thing, by the way. Right. We've had inflation for the past 120 years, basically ever since the Federal Reserve was created. And a lot of inflation since we went off the gold standard in 1971. What's happened since that time? Well, the medical and you know, lifespans have increased. Literacy levels have increased. Silicon Valley has made supercomputers that we could put in our pockets with cell phones these days. Biotech has rapidly, you know, been curing diseases and AI now is going to increase productivity everywhere. So it's not, inflation is not necessarily a bad thing, just hyperinflation is. And the way you cure hyperinflation is you make sure the country as a whole is innovating 
faster than the economy is growing. And in the United States, that's always been true. Like we we're, we're the most innovative. Most inventions come from the United States. We're the most innovative country on the planet. So we've been able to avoid inflation for the most part, despite all the money printing by the Federal Reserve. We've been able to absorb that because we're creating more and more products and innovating new technologies and, right. and so, so on. What, what would you say the last innovations that U.S. has did? Well, AI, ChatGPT mm -hmm. is an innovation. Now, the principles of AI are have been known for a while. Like, you know, yes, there's some innovation in neural networks in ChatGPT. I'm not going to explain all yeah. of what that is, but the idea of taking every single thing ever written until the year 2021—that's essentially like everything, every book, every Wikipedia page, every Reddit page, every tweet, every article, all the way up to 2021 is in ChatGPT. The idea of taking so much knowledge of history, like ChatGPT is, is essentially like the library of Alexandria from ancient times. Like it's, it's all the knowledge in the world. And then using neural networks, and again, I'm not going to explain the right. specifics of how ChatGPT works, but it, it's used in this way to simulate how humans make decisions and respond to queries. And it has all the data ever created in the world to respond. That's an innovation. And biotech and genomics mm. are huge innovations. Can you imagine? We can edit a gene. And now 20 years ago, to sequence the human genome, it cost a billion dollars. Right. Now it costs about $10. And now we can even take a gene and edit it and inject it back into a human and change their lives, cure diseases and so on. And this is only at the beginning of that industry. It's only the beginning of AI. It's only the beginning of, dare I say it, crypto. It's only the beginning of automated driving and and using technologies for energy unrelated to oil, which is both good and bad, but doesn't matter. Like all these things are are yeah. Innovations. And obviously, we know we always will hear like bad things happen to like okay, self driving or AI or genomic. But when bad things happen to them, I think it's good because they learn from their mistakes. You know, because you know, like self driving, every time they get into accident that actually is to make sure that wouldn't happen again because, you know, they were self-correct, they were programmed better and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, did you see what happened today? Like we're, we're recording this on a day where SpaceX mm -hmm. sent up a rocket into space. Okay, a rocket costs like billions of dollars to make. And within about two minutes, it was about 20 miles high. It was supposed to be a 90-minute, uh, it was supposed to go into space and then come back and it would take about 90 minutes. But after about two or three minutes, it got about 20 miles high and the different parts of the rocket had trouble separating. So it exploded. Yes. Self-destroyed. Self the yeah. response in SpaceX offices, everybody was wildly cheering because it was, I guess, a new rocket or whatever, and it launched successfully. And now they'll learn a huge amount about what went wrong so that when there's an important mission, it won't explode in the middle of an important mission. And so it's not like we want to celebrate failure, which I think, you know, failure porn happens too frequently, but it's very important to be able to plan for failure so that at the very least you learn an enormous amount about it. Like why were people in SpaceX cheering when the explosion happened is because A, it launched, right. which is very hard to do, this new rocket launched. And so they learned from that. B, uh, they're going to learn what went wrong and C, it exploded without harming anybody. It's it's it was a say that worked as well. So many things worked 
And now they have an enormous amount of data to learn right. from. So that's critical. Yeah. Well, you know, we got sidetracked a little bit. Now get back to the first question that I actually asked. I know. I, I, I know. I, this is like the perfect civics, what's called a civics lesson, a lesson in basic government to someone from Malaysia. That's why. Exactly. That's why I'm so curious. Like, why didn't just, you know, like the president just like, hey, everyone get a thousand dollars. You know, every for for you know every. Well, they, he he did that during the pandemic. Right. Yeah. Not him though. And, and so yeah. and so what happened was everybody got a thousand dollars and they spent it on food right. and clothing and so on and and houses and so food got more expensive. Like the inflation happened in the system, but now they don't have the extra thousand dollars, so prices will come back down. I mean, everyone thought oil was going to go to like two hundred. Well, guess what? Oil is below yep. to where. It's like half of what its high was. I, I don't know the exact price of oil right now. Right. Uh, oh, it's seventy-seven dollars. I mean, it's down from what was its high during I think the it was pandemic. Sixty? Oh, was it two hundred? No, no, it was like a hundred and five. I guess. Uh, I thought it's higher. So it's down like thirty percent. You know, things work themselves out. Yeah. I'm not like a huge libertarian, which believes in no government, but. Look at like the Department of Education, which was formed, I think, in like nineteen late nineteen seventies, like nineteen seventy seven or seventy eight. Ever since then, the U.S. has gone down in its competitiveness with other countries in the quality of our education. So we would have been better off, maybe. I mean, it would have to be really looked at. Maybe we would have been worse off, but we it seems like we would have been better off uh, without a Department of Education. Like, what did they do to sort of ruin things? Right. I don't know the answers, but it's something worth looking at and thinking about. But government never shrinks. Once the government has claimed more power over our lives, they never give it back. Okay, so now we yeah. get to the first question. This is asked by one of the user on nutpad.com, uh, jneji13. So the question is, what do you think the future of politics and voting looks like in 10 years? Well, it's a great question. Here's the thing. The technical reason I am officially running for president Altature 2024. You can buy a sign on Amazon that says Altature 2024. I don't even know who's selling it, but I bought a sign myself and I have it right next to me. Can you show it? Yeah. Okay. Hold on. Yeah. Altature 2024. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't make this sign. Someone That's on Amazon amazing. made this sign. Right. And here's the thing. You should run for president too. Jay, even you should. You're not allowed I can't, to run for I can't, president. Yeah. <laughs> you're not a citizen and you weren't born here. But it, you, anybody, it took me 10 minutes. You go to FEC.gov. FEC stands for the Federal Elections Commission. And you fill out some forms. And, and now you're a candidate for president of the United States. Knock yourself out. You, you have a platform. Everyone says, oh, if you don't vote, you don't have, you're not allowed to say anything. First off, that's against the First Amendment. Second off, do it even one better. Run for president. And the two-party system is horrible. So just have your own political party and run for president. And that forces you to think about what you believe in and research things and say things. Everybody just takes their knowledge from the newspapers, which are which are all untrue, so opinionated, so biased, and so clickbaity to try to get money and advertising dollars. Like, I am not hindered by any of that. We live in a two-party system, though. I'm not any party, but run for president, and that's how you can participate in your politics. Now, to answer your question, Jay, we already did a full Ask Altucher here based on your very first question. Yes. And 
I will answer how thing, I think that politics will be different in 10 years, plus my important policies, which include taxes and economic policy and foreign intervention. These are the two most important things that any country has to deal with. I will answer that in the next Ask Alta Chair. Okay, yeah, let's do it. Uh, if you have any questions, Jay, what's the URL where they can... The URL that you can ask James any question is jamesaltachershow.com slash askaltacher. I'm going to say it again, jamesaltachershow.com slash askaltacher. Or you could tweet and just refer to me at jaltacher and Jay will see that. Yeah, and the other way you can also do is sign up to notepad.com, N-O-T-E-P-D.com. It's open challenge for Ask Altature on there. So you can go there, you can enter the challenge, I will see it and I'll collect all the questions and I'm going to ask the great James Altature. See you next time. Mm-hmm.